Here's something to ponder over. If you haven't in a while, just stop everything you're doing and think of how good God has been to you, how gracious he is, how he's kept his promises. And you go, what? He hasn't kept this promise yet. Just wait. He's not going to fail you. He's not going to just push you off the edge. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to turn his back on you. Even if you were to leave like the prodigal son, dad's there. Come on back. He wants to throw you a party. This is amazing grace. It's been said that grace changes everything, beginning with the one who receives it. Grace and our response to it through giving. That's our focus today on Abounding Grace. We're so glad you're with us. Our teacher, Pastor Ed Taylor, opens 2 Corinthians chapter 8 today. And in the coming days, we're going to give you a balanced approach to giving. God's not broke, but he does want us to participate in his work. And one way we get to do that is through giving. We'll be inspired by those in Macedonia who gave out of grateful hearts, even though they were poor and suffering too. The Bible has a lot to say about giving. Jesus had a lot to say about giving. 16 of the 38 parables were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. Check it out. In the gospel, an amazing one out of 10 verses, which amounts to about 200, over 280 verses, deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible office offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money. So it's not like it's not a topic for the Lord. It's not like it's, he doesn't, uh, don't worry about it. He wants us to learn about money, but in a balanced approach. There's another thing that I want to address before. We're only going to cover a couple verses, just so you know. Uh, we're going to build this up. It's kind of an introduction to the rest of our studies in chapter 8. But here's another one that really, as I was jotting this down yesterday and looking at my notes and putting them together, I was like, there's another thing going around in the church that just really gets under my skin. And that's the idea where these guys will tell you and give you the impression that God is broke. And it's all your fault. Like, God doesn't have anything, we don't have anything, and if you would just, like, like, as if God is broke, and, like, there's always some emergency crisis, and we just got to stir the church, and it's always the people's fault, and then they start beating up the flock, and then you start to feel guilty and go, no, 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 I want to give. You're right, I don't want God to be broke, and that's just so wrong. God's not broke. He's not going, oh, what am I supposed to do? I don't have any money. I don't have any resources, and it's that church's fault. It's that belief. No, 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 he's not broke. And in totality, the ones that suffer the most in this environment are the ones that respond to this and would even respond in such a way to great personal harm with their resources. Not only is God not broke, but the Bible says he owns everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, but he also owns the hills. (laughs) and everything else. 
Everything is his. And giving is an active response to grace. It's really what it is. I'm, I looked at it and I wrote it down. I said, I'm so personally blessed that the Lord would use me and use my tithes and offerings, which really belong to him. But when I give a tithe and when I put it in the box or I give it to the accountant, I'm so blessed that the resources that he didn't trust us to can do so much good in the city and do so much good in whatever, however they get used unto the Lord. I think that's just like, wow, that's amazing. I get to be a part of that. I get to be a part of stuff that I won't even find out until I get to heaven. I don't even know what, what's going on with the resources in terms of how God's using them, how God's multiplying, how a family gets changed. And, and, and to me, that's like, that's a mystery that I look forward to. I don't know how it's all going to go down, but man, you're just like, wow. And I remember it as a young age teaching the kids how to give. I mean, they get discouraged. They were getting discouraged. They get all this money for, for their birthdays. And we'd have this little bank. I think we have it in the store down there. It's divided into three sections. One section is the church. One section is the bank. And I, I don't know what the other is. The section was the store. I think it was the store. And so when they get, you know, I, it's just so sad. And then we went a little extra, and that made them even sadder. And so we would have them. If they get any kind of increase, anything they get, any birthday money. It's kind of hard with gift cards, but we just cut them in thirds. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> They'd put their offering into the church side. They would put savings. Now, we would tell them 10% under the Lord, 10% to savings, but then Marie would add a little bit rainy day savings, which would deplete their money even less. I don't remember what it is. Is it 20% more? Okay, so now 30% to savings. Think about a kid getting 10 bucks. Okay, dollar to the Lord, $3 to the bank, and then they could use the rest. But I'll tell you what, each one of them, although they didn't like it, when they had a rainy day, they liked it. Because they were planning ahead. So what I have now is going to bless me now, just like the Bible says, and I'm also planning ahead. I'm being prepared. And we try to instill that in our kids from a young age to say, look, the first goes to the Lord, period. This is my birthday money. No, it belongs to the Lord. No, this is just like, I just found this on the street. It belongs to the Lord. Dad? Yes, it belongs to the Lord. And it ingrained in them the fact that they get to participate in the work of the Lord birthday money, allowance, it doesn't matter what it is, so that in their hearts they're not married to money. Now it's a challenge for all of us, especially those of you that are wrestling and struggling right now, those of you that are going through it, those of you that are financially strapped, you could say that about yourself, you would even process, what am I supposed to do? Well, we'll get to that in later studies, but the easy answer for that is you need to pray and obey the Lord. It's that simple. It's, it's God wanting faithfulness. God wanting us to step out in faith. So we'll get to that in other things. But God's not broke. You don't need to worry about that. God's doing just fine. And he wants you to participate in, in what he's doing on the earth. Uh, and he does that through the local church. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let's look at the first couple chapter or first couple verses and develop a pathway of where we're headed. I know God's going to use this for many and he starts out by saying, moreover, brethren, and it's connected to chapter 7 at the end, talking about comfort and rejoicing and confidence. And on top of that, that's what the word moreover means, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty 
abounded in the riches of their liberality. Now, we're not going to get into this now, but notice verse 3. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability... They were freely willing, employing us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. The area of Macedonia, if you look at it upon a map, is the upper area of Greece, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, compared with Corinth, which was down south in the southern area of Greece. God blessed these churches. If you like to write in your Bibles in verse 2, you could, write, you could circle the word liberality. And right next to it, faithful and benevolent. Faithful and benevolent. In their giving, in their poverty, in their difficulty, in their great trial, they were benevolent and faithful with sincere motives. It can also mean, like the word does, we can also use it to talk about the amount. When you are liberal, when you give liberally, you give a lot. You're just very free with it. But this is not so much that word. It can be used that way. It's the same Greek word. But here, the emphasis is in their sincerity, in their faithfulness, in their ability. They, they just gave no matter what was going on in their life because God touched their heart to help, these, to help some, the church in Jerusalem it was going through great poverty. Their heart was just touched to give over and above their tithes and offerings. That's how Paul starts his discussion on giving. They were just blessed, it says, it's amazing in verse 2, their great trial of affliction and their poverty. But in verse 1, it was the grace of God that was bestowed upon them. It's one of the, you know, again, you, the more you read the Bible, the more you see the irony. The more you see, wait a minute, wait a minute, the grace of God upon them and they're in great affliction and great poverty? Yes. That's what the Bible says. Not only were they in great trial of affliction, deep poverty, they also abounded in the grace of God. And they abounded in their giving. And I think you could say the same thing in your life. You could look at your life no matter what state it's in and say, you know, God has been so good to me. He's been so faithful to me. I know my life isn't what I want it to be and I know it's tough and I know it's hard and I know we all have stories of the difficulty, but man, you could just look back and God has blessed you. As bad as things are, they could be far worse far more difficult, far harder. You just sit there. And for a moment, even if it's just for an hour and a half, as we gather in this larger gathering, or you're out on the radio, just kind of sitting in your car in the parking lot, just for a moment, you can just think of, you know what? God has been really good to me. He's just been so good. And you might have somebody come in, oh, but don't you, look what you're going through. No, 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 man. Don't remind me of that right now. I'm just enjoying the faithfulness of God. I'll get back to my trouble soon enough. But right now, man, the grace of God has been so abundant to me. And even if things don't improve in my life, I have heaven. It's right around the corner. And the Bible promises that heaven will right every wrong in our lives. That we will be in the presence of Jesus personally. And the more you long for heaven while you're on the earth, the more you enjoy that heavenly hope. It makes you a pure person, the Bible says. And so we could say the same thing. And I would encourage you, if you haven't in a while, just stop everything you're doing and think of how good God has been to you. How gracious he is. How he's kept his promises. And you go, what? He hasn't kept this promise yet. Just wait. He's not going to fail you. He's not going to just push you off the edge. He's not going to abandon you. 
He's not going to turn his back on you. Even if you were to leave like the prodigal son, dad's there. Come on back. He wants to throw you a party. Even if you're the, out of the hundred, you're the one that wanders, the good shepherd's going to go after you. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you to be a part of his family. He loves to take care of you. Jesus described himself as what? The bad shepherd? Is that what he says? Bible students? Yes? No? Are you with me? Of course, he's the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. He's not only said these things, he's proven them. And ongoing, even in our skepticism, and even when we doubt, even when we're faithless, he remains faithful. And as you think of the churches in Macedonia, he's just like, oh, we just want you to know the grace of God. Church, we want you to know how good it is in Macedonia, how great they have it. In their great trial of affliction and in their deep poverty, they're in a great place because they have the riches and the peace of God. And so do you. And the more you meditate on that, the more encouraged you'll be. You know, even if we want to look at it financially for a moment, even in your worst condition, you are better than, I don't know, 99% of the world. 99%. That's why these short-term trips, they're not just designed to get you out and maybe send you on the mission field. They just... You know, the world's suffering, man. The world's hurting. The world needs Jesus. Even in our own city, we've been praying, even talking today with the pastors, talking about what we can do in our Jerusalem, not just our Judea and Samaria. And just really, man, let's do it. Let's run to bring the love of Jesus in a practical way. And how easy it is for us to forget how good we have it, even in the midst of a great trial of affliction, and even in the midst of deep poverty. You know why? Because it says in verse 2 that there's an abundance of their joy. They were joyful people. The area of Macedonia was where Philippi was. And you know, those of you that are Bible students, you know that the book of Philippians was all about the joy of the Lord. And yet they were going through this. They're in that general area and they were suffering and yet they were able to maintain a joy in the spirit because joy is an experience of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Another just crazy thing that can happen in our lives is that circumstances can be very horrible and we can even be unhappy and be joyful at the same time because of God's goodness in our life and his faithfulness because joy is a work of the spirit in our lives. It's yours by faith. It's a settled peace and confidence in God where you enjoy him no matter what's going on around you, no matter what's happening, no matter how whatever it might be. And that's where they were moved in their heart. Not only did they understand that grace of God in their lives, but also the joy of God in their lives. It's a great picture of what it looks like to be joyful under great duress and difficulties. And joy comes from right relationships. You have a right relationship with the Lord, then you have it with others. And there's just a richness where believers can come together and encourage one another and stir up the joy. That's why when somebody's joyful and you go, well, aren't you going through it? That doesn't stir up joy. Of course they're going through it. You know it and they know it, but they're pretty joyful right now. So you know what the Bible says? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says to rejoice with those that are rejoicing. Don't ask them why. Like, are you crazy? No, the Spirit of God's in my life. I'm full of the joy of the Lord. 
And instead of like trying to examine, well, how is that? Just like, man, Lord, I need that joy. And the Lord will say, why, I'm in you. I live in you. I dwell in you. You want joy? It's yours. And love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, self-control, they're all works of, excuse me, fruits of, fruit of the Spirit. And their giving came from that. I could see at least two reasons why they shouldn't, they, we could see, oh, I'm not, I don't give, I'm under great trial of affliction. No. And I'm in deep poverty. No. And I wonder, as you know, we close up today, I wonder if that describes our giving. I wonder if that does, just the first two verses, does this describe our giving? Does it describe the heart that we have toward giving? Just abundantly, from the heart, because of the grace of God. It's just so joyful. Or are we known as someone that's tight-fisted and we just hold everything back? And it's a broad topic, by the way. We're referring now to giving in our local congregation for sure. But if it's, we're talking about the heart of the matter, then we're not just talking about the easy. It's, it's very easy to set up auto pay for tithes and offerings. It's easy to put something in the box. But that's not necessarily the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is this. Am I a giving person in the name of Jesus? That's the heart of the matter. Am I liberally, sincerely, and genuinely using what God has given to me and allowed me to use for his glory? It's always much more. You know, jot it down in Psalm 51, verse 16. It says, this is David, that psalm of repentance, but he's just coming to terms with what God desires. He says, you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering, But the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. And I think as our hearts are broken and as they're soft before the Lord, the other practical parts of our life follow, including giving. And we realize and accept the great grace of God, all that he is and all that he's done and all that he's going to do, we simply respond to that love with our lives, all that we are holding nothing back. Living a life freely, experience the abounding of the riches of their liberality. Because even beyond their ability, they found a place, this sense of, man, I'm not even going to look. And we'll get into that too, because that even sometimes gets taken advantage of. It's more of a heart issue. And that's why I would leave us today to pray as we get prepared for the next couple chapters. And if you decide not to come, the rest of the, uh, we'll find you. <laughs> and we'll just show up with the phones and just play it in your door or something. But if you ever wanted to learn a good balanced approach to giving, we're going to be at least four weeks just cutting off the, probably more depending on how fast we got through today. But it was all an introduction today um, to kind of get to the meat of some of the verses uh, in the future here. But you know, if you've ever had questions about giving, you've ever had questions about Old Testament, New Testament, all that stuff, one of the most common questions. I mean, we already have studies online if you don't want to wait. Um, but I'll put it together in context of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And I believe that it'll just open up a channel of your heart for some of you that hasn't been opened yet. And it'll just be so sweet. You just, like, it's, it's not even just money. You know, you, some of you guys are just so talented in what you do. You're just so gifted. You know, and even some of you went to school on scholarships, so you don't even pay for your education. God gave it to you, and he just wants to use that for the glory of God.
He just wants to use your, all the smartness. Yeah, you know, some of you guys are super smart. Some of you are super talented. And if God opens a channel of giving in your heart, you're just going to be, you're just going to be a, a force to be reckoned with um, because the kingdom of God will expand through you. And you'll just be doing it as under the Lord, man. Just, man, just blessing people and, and, and encouraging them in Jesus' name, which is pretty cool. You've been listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Tanner. We're in the midst of a series that's based in 2 Corinthians. If you'd like to hear it again, go to calvaryco.church. Another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings is through our mobile apps. Do a search for Calvary Aurora, and you'll be able to download both our church app and the Grace FM Colorado app. Pastor Ed, the balanced approach to giving that you were describing really is the same approach we try to take here at Abounding Grace. We don't want to present God as broke, but just give our listeners an opportunity to participate in the work that God is doing. Can you give our listeners a brief idea of some of the good things God has done through the radio recently? Well, Larry, not a week goes by that we don't receive some call, some note, some email, text message responding to the work of God through abounding grace. And, I mean, we could go through note after note after note. I received... I was teaching at a conference. We'll share this one with you. We were teaching at a conference recently in Hawaii. And in Hawaii on KLHT, we are on very late at night. I think we're on 11.30 p.m. And... And, you know, not many people listen to the radio that time, but that's okay. We, we want to reach whoever's listening. That's the time slot that's available. And so we took it and we filled it for many years. And I was there teaching and somebody came up to me and thanked me and said, Pastor Ed, Pastor Ed, I want to let you know that your Bible teaching has really impacted my life. I appreciate you on the radio. And, and I got into my joking mood and I smiled at him and I said, you, you, are you talking to the right person? Because, you know, we're on uh, 1130 at night here in Hawaii and... And you must, you know, be up all night, not able to sleep. And he says, no, 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 Ed, that's not the way it is at all. I'm a taxi driver. And I have the radio on when I'm doing my runs as a taxi driver. And he gets a lot of fares overnight. And and it reminded me that God uses radio 24-7. And that's why we have Bible teaching on 24-7. That's why Abounding Grace, this radio broadcast, is on around the country, even around the world, uh, even online at oneplace.com. So, your giving and support uh, really helps us. Uh, there's a lot of foundational costs. There's production costs. There's radio airtime costs. There's licensing fees, and on and on the list goes that help provide this Bible teaching. And for some uh, or God-ordained sovereign reason, he uses the teaching here to connect to so many people, and, and we're very grateful. And so for Leo out in Hawaii, you know, props go out to you, Leo. I thank you for the encouragement as so you're driving around in your taxi cab, ministering the gospel to people. And we, at 11.30 p.m., Monday through Friday, get to be a small part of the big work that God is doing in your life. And so whether you're listening in Albuquerque or you're listening in Southern Cal on K-Wave, you know, I know on K-Wave we're in on a later time. You're listening here at Grace FM or Hope FM or Truth FM or a variety of stations around the country. Thank you for your generous support. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your encouragement. Email us, write to us, call us, leave a message. We'd love to hear what God is doing. And if you want to give, you can give to, to this radio broadcast by going to AboundingGraceRadio.com. AboundingGraceRadio.com. And we'd love to hear from you.
Again, that's AboundingGraceRadio.com. And while you're there, would you leave us an email? As Pastor Ed was sharing that story of a taxi driver who is being blessed through the radio ministry, we know there are other stories as well. And it's always encouraging to hear what God is up to. Thank you for your support of Abounding Grace. It does make a difference. Your donation will serve to help us bring these daily studies to your station and many others like it every day. We're consistently receiving wonderful reports from listeners of how God is using the Word of God to help them grow by God's abounding grace. And when you support this ministry today with the gift of $25 or more, we'd like to send you Contented in All Things Peace by Jeff Guype. Maybe you've noticed many Americans today lack true contentment. No matter how much they have, they're always wanting more, bigger, better. But that doesn't have to be the case for you. And in Contented, Pastor Jeff Guype helps the reader find peace in all things and get on the path to contentment in Christ. Here's where to reach us, 877-30-GRACE, or turn to calvaryco.church on the web. That's 877-30-GRACE and calvaryco.church. Glad you've taken time out for our study. We'll bring you more from Pastor Ed Taylor's study of 2 Corinthians next time on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.